Welcome to the Soul's Way podcast. This is your host, Emily Ann Brandt. I am a proud First Nations Mohawk author, speaker, and mentor here to meet you at the intersection of personal development and decolonization. I truly believe that when we see ourselves and one another, mind, body, emotion, and most of all, soul and spirit, we can break through systematic, ancestral, and generational ways of being that we came here to disrupt and rise above. We can lean into the ways that heal our spirits. I know we can do this through honest conversations, radical responsibility, and healing together in community. Through my stories and the incredible conversations with some truly amazing guests, my hope is that you leave each episode with a more open heart and that you feel emboldened in your medicine and your voice, knowing your ripple effect matters. Our ripple effect matters. Thank you for being here. Let's dive in. Welcome, friends. We have the coolest guest on our podcast today. And this conversation is so, so juicy, so good. You're going to want to crank up the volume for this one. Pay attention, listen twice, send it to your friends. And if you're in the Decolonized Coach community, get excited because Melinda Jackson, who is joining me on the podcast today, is our next guest speaker for the Decolonized Coach community. And if you're not aware yet, the Decolonized Coach community is my started as a six-week program or a six-module program for um, coaches. Sorry, my headphones just did something super weird. It's my program for coaches and space holders, healers, therapists, um, who anyone who's in the business of like improving the lives of others who wants to know how to make their spaces more inclusive and actually supportive for folks of the global majority and folks with other marginalized identities, which is not my area of expertise. And I always say I can only speak to things from my perspective as an indigenous woman, but I'm also I also hold various levels of privileges, right? I'm also cisgendered, I'm also heterosexual, I'm also um, primarily able-bodied and neurotypical. And so I collaborate with folks and bring them into the community now on an ongoing basis. So now the Decolonized Coach course is officially the Decolonized Coach community. So not only do you have all of my six modules with step-by-step guidance on making your space more supportive, on building trust with people of the global majority, um, on learning and learning, acknowledging your privilege, just all around, like such a well-rounded guide to truly building your space brick by brick, slow and steady, to create long-term, sustainable, um, healthy environments where all can truly feel safe and all can truly thrive and bring their whole selves. Um, So it's just, it's going to make your your amazing impact and your practice even more incredible because you'll be able to welcome even more people and more people will feel safe and comfortable bringing their whole selves into your your containers and your your spaces even your one-on-ones right so now it's a um it's a live community where you get the modules you go through them at your own pace and then we also meet twice a month live on zoom to have a you know a fire round the fire chat of course it's virtual but we always envision that we're sitting in a circle we have these courageous conversations we have q a sessions and then we also have pop-up bonus guest speakers and 
Melinda is going to be our next one on July 26th. So if you are ever thinking of joining the DCC, now is the time so you can sit in live and chat with Melinda and I on what is surely going to be such an informative and helpful um, workshop and conversation. Um, But so is this podcast episode. So let me read you a little bit about Melinda and then I'll uh, play the conversation for you. It's so, so good. So Melinda Jackson, known as the Social Impact Queen, is a social impact strategist, philanthropy advisor, speaker, thought leader, educator, and the founder and CEO of The Rooted Firm. She has a breadth of experience working in various high-level capacities for local, national, and international nonprofit organizations and social enterprises. Melinda has had the unique opportunity to connect with and learn from charitable organizations all over the world and continues to be aligned with high-profile social impact projects as a member of the World Economic Forum's Global Shapers community. Her work has led her to being recognized as one of the top 25 under 35 movers and shakers in her city, as well as uh, YWCA Woman of Distinction. Amazing. She's an expert instructor in Arlen's Academy and supports upwards of 22,000 students with her Business of Social Change course, one of the only resources of its kind specializing in social responsibility education for startups, small business owners, and entrepreneurs. Melinda additionally serves as a diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioner and coach for influential spiritual entrepreneurs and personal development coaches. That might be you if you're listening, right? As a social impact strategist, she has taken on projects and consulted for leading names in the entertainment industry, including Beyonce's Bay Good Foundation. So cool. So without further ado, I'm going to play the conversation and let you get to know the amazing Melinda Jackson. Melinda, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yes, absolutely, Emily. Thank you so much for the invite. I'm so glad we got to connect, and I'm so glad to be here to chat with you and your audience. Yeah, I'm. So, I know we have. We're gonna have so much to talk about, and such a juicy conversation awaiting us. Um, I know. But, <laughs> but why don't we start with you just kind of introducing yourself uh, in your own words? Say hi to everyone, and like, let us know a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So, hey, everyone. Um, My name is Melinda. Um, First of all, my pronouns are she, her, they, them. Um, I am a Black, queer, non-binary person, just disabled as well, um, who is, I think if I had to like break it down, just really trying to do my best to learn and unlearn and liberate myself while also doing work to, to help others. And um, and be a space of safety and compassion for people as they're doing their own learning and unlearning. Um, and the way that that has kind of borne out in my life so far is that I um, serve as a a diversity equity equity and inclusion practitioner within the um, coaching space, as well as a social impact strategist and philanthropy advisor in the social impact space. So Mm -hmm. I help folks to be able to leverage their influence and their capital um, in the social impact space to be able to, to, um, to help folks who are, um, who have multiple marginalized identities 
who are the most intersexually marginalized and the most vulnerable people in our world. Um, and I also work on the coaching side to help coaches establish practices that are driven by inclusion and equity and where there is a presence of justice and where people, you know, in the same vein, who are marginalized to occupy spaces of, of you know, multiple marginalized identities um, are able to actually like feel safe in those mm-hmm. spaces. So that is that is where I'm at and what I do. Yeah, so amazing. So needed. Um, and that is, I think, why and how we connected, right? Like, um, yes. obviously, we've been messaging on Instagram DMs more recently, but I remember you, um, I, I know that you've kind of been, we've been in each other's spheres for a while. Um, and you've sort of shared some of my posts. And then I came across your page. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Um, because we're very aligned in our messaging around that topic. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm I'm curious what made you um because you're so in the social impact world and that like what you're doing is so needed here in the coaching space but I'm curious like what made you sort of expand into the coaching world did you have some experiences getting coached and receiving like as much as you're comfortable sharing I would love to hear like what kind of sparked that for you Oh absolutely Emily um yeah no I there's get into so it <laughs> yeah. let's dig into it um and I think this is where the juice comes from like the juicy yeah. episode that you were talking yeah. about before. Yeah. but no truly there there have been so many experiences that I've had just like in coaching spaces and being coached and being a part of coaching communities I say that like my I think that my origin in the coaching space really came from being in a place of burnout um, from the work that I do in the social impact space. Um, It is difficult to do the work of social impact to be kind of constantly looking at the studies and looking at the statistics and seeing the ways in which oppression you know, kind of bears out in our society on a consistent basis and then trying to create interventions and opportunities to be able to do something about that as a person who also has to then navigate Mm -hmm. um, various layers of oppression personally. So that, and I think doing that without a, without a good, just like self-care practice and without um, having the sort of presence of, of knowing that, I had to reprioritize how I was doing my work. I I actually burnt out. I was Mm -hmm. um, really focused on, you know, because I have so much passion and so much like vigor for, for the work that I do. I didn't realize the extent to which I was, I was really overextending myself in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and not giving myself the same compassion and grace that I would give to the people that I was working with or on the projects that I was doing. So I was in a space where I was really burnt out um, on like multiple fronts. And um, I found some like a place of refuge in the coaching world. Um, mm-hmm. I found that like being coached and having the opportunity to reinvest in myself to kind of reignite my spark and to be in community with people who for me felt like they were working toward like a greater purpose and, and were yeah. finding ways to like love themselves while doing it, I'm like, wow, this is really amazing. So like, I, I owe a lot to the coaching space because it was like, it was, it was the the thing that kind of brought me back to life and brought me back mm-hmm. from the brink of, of burnout. So, you know, the work that I do here, um, you know, I really don't take it lightly. I think it's, um, I think yeah. it's sacred work and it's, it's my way of like saying thank you to all the, you know, the humans 
you know, though they are imperfect, whose, you know, wisdom kind of reignited me and allowed me to come back Mm -hmm. to myself and allowed me to be in the space that I'm in now where, where I have, you know, found a greater ability to, um, to balance my work. And I found inspiration again and all that. So um, I, I, the work is, is very, um, very important to me in that way. But the other, on the other side of that, there was the, um, the issues, a lot of the issues that I experienced being coached. So while I was, you know, given so much and so many tools and so much hope and so much inspiration, at the same time, there was always this nagging feeling like this is incomplete um, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And then a lot of that turned into this is actively harmful. And I found myself jumping in and out of a lot of different coaches containers because I would like, you know, it was this initial Rome, it was the romance phase initially where I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, like, I, you know, I really love the way this person talks about this. And I really feel, um, you know, I really, I really feel and resonate with the way that they, yeah. you know, they're coaching. And then I, you know, want to know more. So I sign up for other free masterclass and I'm like, okay, this is really great. Then I get in their community and, 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 you know, maybe meet a couple of folks that are, that are seemingly aligned. And then inevitably things start to shift. It's like the other shoe kind of drops and, mm-hmm. you know, you start to listen to some of the ways that they talk about their, you know, various concepts and start to see some of the ways that, you know, the communities are are moderated and in some ways um, policed. Um, and I use that, that language intentionally. Um, and then, you know, starting to look at um, some of the, the practices that they that they utilize um, within their communities and within their coaching and their businesses overall, and it just then it became okay. Well, this is no longer a safe place for me. I've got to find somewhere else. Yeah. So um, the the me getting into this work is 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 simultaneously a you know a give back and a thank you for uh, you know bringing me to this 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 beautiful next level in my life, but also wanting coaches to be more accountable for the ways in which they they operate the ways in which they talk about things the ways in which they um, build community um, so that people who are like me who are marginalized who who occupy um, spaces where you know who occupy spaces of multiple marginalized identities and having to deal with what life is at the intersection of those things I want mm-hmm. those spaces to be able to be safe and affirming for us too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that you, you view it as like almost this love, not love letter, but like this serve like act of love to give back to the coaching spaces. Like you said, that have brought you so much. And I feel the exact same way. Like that's why, you know, if I was just here to critique and, Mm -hmm. um, and certainly (laughs) there's a lot that we can critique. Right. And certainly I do like I do, um, I, I don't hold back on speaking my mind on things, but um, it's not just a critique. It's like, if I love you, I'm going to hold you accountable. That's um, right. Is how I see it too. So I think that's another, one of the reasons you and I are so aligned in in our approach to this work. Oh, for um, sure. And it makes me think about, there's a James Baldwin quote where he said, when he's talking about, you know, America and he's like, I love America more than any other country in the world. And that's why I insist on the like, you know, the right to critique her endlessly. And it's yes. like that's I feel similarly, similarly about the coaching yeah. space. Like I, I love this space. And so that's why I insist on the need for for strong, salient, bold critique 
and then being that safe space to be able to unpack that with coaches who are ready to do that work. So yeah, we're, yeah. we are absolutely on the same wavelength. And I have to say, Emily, your, I feel like your, as we're on the topic of critique, your, when I discovered your page, I felt like your boldness gave me permission to be more mm. bold and more direct in my own critiques. Um, when I first started with the call-in and the page, I was, I feel like I felt myself really trying to tiptoe yeah. around a lot of things and trying to be like non-threatening, which is of course, like how we as people of the global majority and people who are marginalized navigate spaces because of yeah. the real threat of of, of violence that we often face in, in a lot of spaces. So I was kind of reverting back to that sort of finding ways to navigate this space in a way where I was, where I was non-threatening, but I felt, you know, after kind of discovering your page was when some of the conviction sat in, it was like, wait, but am I speaking truth to power? Am I really mm -hmm. um, saying what needs to be said? I had this issue for about a year where I had constantly like a lump in my throat and yeah. I couldn't get rid of it no matter what I did. And it was a year um, and it was so stressful. And when I started to be more bold, when I started to say things unapologetically, um, when I started to actually say what was on my mind and stop trying to find ways to sugarcoat it, that lump went away. And, you know, mm -hmm. some people might say, you know, blocked throat chakra, which I can totally, <laughs> can totally yeah. see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when I started actually using my voice and, and, um, stop trying to be super diplomatic about things um, that are, I think, far too important to, to resort yeah. to diplomacy about, quite frankly. Um, that's when the like physical sensation of like blocked, locked energy, like mm -hmm. in my throat went away. That's amazing. So thank and you that, for the way that you show up. Oh my goodness. Thank you. That means a lot. And, and I also want to acknowledge that like, it is different for you than it is for me as somebody with light skin who's white passing or white presenting. Um, and that fear that you had around, um, you know, people like it, it, it's valid, right? That fear around, yeah. around people just kind of um, shutting it down and taking it the wrong way and dismissing you as like, you know, the angry black stereotype or whatever mm -hmm. it is, like, that's very real. So um, that fear is, is so valid. And that's something I try to acknowledge a lot because I, I am so, so, so happy to hear and honored to hear that, like my courage has inspired you too. And I want to acknowledge too, that like, there, there are so many layers to this and there are so many nuances. Um, Absolutely. and I love that. Yeah. I love that you and I are creating spaces where we can, we can talk about that. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, so like speaking of nuances and layers, you you do hold like multiple talk about intersectionality, like you hold multiple marginalized identities, right? <laughs> um, so what's it been like in the coaching industry um, with navigating all of those identities? Because I find that there is just that's the biggest thing is there's no space for nuance in identity. And when we're talking about manifesting our best lives and stepping into our power, it all comes down to identity. So Absolutely. Yeah. Like that whole idea of self-concepts as like yes. the key to our manifesting. It's like, yeah, absolutely. So, and and I think to your point, Emily, I, I would love to see like more of the work that we're doing being, being disseminated more widely in the coaching space because of that specifically. Um, yeah. I think that often we a lot of what I see in the coaching space is 
the sort of like, I'm trying to think of like the best, the best way to say it. It's kind of like this, of course, it's like the self-leadership, like self-improvement, the self-optimization without recognition of like the systems of oppression that exist that not only inform like how I view myself to be able to even begin to like manifest my best life in the first place, but how I actually have to actively move through the world. And that, that has been frustrating. And that's, um, you know, it's incredibly, it's incredibly difficult. And like you said, I, I have multiple marginalized identities. So a, I'm, I'm a black person. Right. And that's, um, that's, that would be enough in of itself. But, yeah. you know, in addition to that, I am, you know, someone who is assigned female at birth, who identifies as a black woman, but who is in the space of like non-binary, um, yeah. which may, might be hard for people to grasp. But it's interesting because, you know, black womanhood in a lot of ways has felt like something very distinct from the construct of womanhood as a whole. A lot of that yes. having to do with the ways in which black women were excluded from definitions of womanhood. Um, in order to exclude them from the protections that like white patriarchal systems um, imposed on on women. So um, there's there is that nuance to that as well. But, you know, again, being in a space of non-binary and just kind of rejecting the idea of gender as binary, in addition to all the other binaries that Mm -hmm. keep us from being able to be ourselves fully, um, you know, that is an additional layer. Being queer is an additional layer. Um, being neurodivergent. Um, so if you see me, like I talk with my hands a lot, like I've got my little fidget toy, which is um, a way for me to keep my brain engaged and focused so that I can like bring my bring my best self to, um, to our space here today. And, mm-hmm. you know, having all of those things individually would be enough, but then on top yes. of each other and then working together and creating um, unique circumstances at each point of intersection becomes um becomes pretty difficult so I think that for me it it, then my the way that I think about and process well what does this mean for me in terms of you know my manifestation and what does it mean for me in terms of like just my my spiritual walk it's it's that that idea that I am not separate you know my 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 identity is everything that I am, and that is unfortunately not separate from any sort of like three D systems yeah. um, of oppression. And I think that's what a lot of coaches don't understand, especially white coaches, especially coaches who have a lot of privilege, is yeah. that we can't skip over the three D. You know, I always get really irritated when I see those posts, like just ignore the 3D. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's that's convenient. It may work for some people, but it certainly doesn't work for marginalized people, people of the global majority who have real boundaries, real barriers, real issues in the 3D that we have to overcome to even be able to get to this place of, yes. you know, of, of the you know 4D manifestation. So I think that if there was one thing that I would want more coaches to know about navigating this space as a person with multiple marginalized identities is that we cannot at all minimize the the real barriers that exist for people of the global majority at any and all intersections of marginalized identity and that we have to make space in our practice for that specific nuance because to not do that is whether intentionally or unintentionally is negligent at best. Yeah. And I yeah. think at worst can be extremely harmful for folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So well said. Um, 
Oh, so much to unpack just I even within so that. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for speaking truth to all of that and so eloquently too. Um, it's so true. And and like minimizing the, you know, the the layers of oppression and very real barriers and issues that exist is not only um is not only like not an option, but it's also not helpful. And I think that a lot of times, like that's, that's kind of the messaging of this industry, which, um, you know, if, if we're talking about manifestation and spirituality specifically, especially, um, it's the whole thing is it's kind of founded on like your whole life, everything that happens to you, everything you manifest, it's up to you as the individual, Mm -hmm. um, which doesn't make space for, well, what if you're up against literal systems of oppression and in some cases, multiple different ways that you're being oppressed and then those being amplified and multiplied when they intersect um, in ways that yeah I think like you said folks with privilege don't understand and just to remind all our listeners privilege is simply um, the absence of oppression it's not like a special you know born with a certain amount of money or a certain like it's it's literally just the absence of oppression that's Mm -hmm. that's the privilege yeah. Um, so just want to remind folks of that, but yeah, very well said. Um, so have you noticed any like particularly harmful situations where you felt excluded or like harm was caused rather than, you know, being in these spaces, they're supposed to help us grow. They're supposed to help right. us be better and be emboldened and have more confidence and more empowerment. But I know certainly from my own experiences that that's sometimes actually be the opposite so if you're comfortable sharing like is there a certain any experiences that kind of stand out um where you've experienced that exclusion or that harm um that you would you know wouldn't mind sharing with us that kind of led to the work you're doing yeah absolutely so like I was saying before there there are quite a few um yeah I'm sure (laughs) (laughs) I think that um there were I would say a significant amount um, during 2020, like after the murder of George Floyd and after there was this kind of huge, you know, global racial reckoning. And I use quotations um, because there were, there was, you know, there was, there was a lot going on at that time. I think there were a lot of folks who were kind of, there, there was a, an initiating event that caused folks to kind of start rethinking um, things and, and rethinking how race works and race relations and injustice and, you know, any number of things. But I think I, I used the air quotes because unfortunately there hasn't been a whole lot of follow through and even studies that I was reading last week that were just citing that, um, a lot of the, the momentum that was kind of put out there and started to, to be gained from that particular, um, time in our history, um, a lot of that momentum has slowed, if not come to a screeching halt. You know, a lot of folks who are posting black squares, who are very interested in listening to marginalized people, um, who are interested in sharing their platforms and figuring out ways that they could be anti-racist in practice, have, have in my experience, um, abandoned that altogether. Yep. And um, I think that, that that cause, and I think continue to cause continues to cause me um some hurt from that because it's like, okay, wow, we're really, you know, we're really doing this. People are, people have, have, you know, through 
terrible means, but have come to a place where you can recognize that, hey, things are not equitable, that there are, you know, systems and barriers, again, like we've been saying that, that people who are marginalized have to overcome specifically um, in this context, looking at um, the intersections of like, you know, black identity, police brutality and state violence. Um, And I think that there were, you know, it was, it was encouraging to see that people were willing to not look the other way, but, you know, in it, as, as we got further and further away from that, I think people have kind of come back into a space of comfort and haven't, and I won't say everybody, because there's certainly folks who are out there doing the work. And I do want to acknowledge that um, for sure, because I've seen some people who are, who are on the wanting to, to constantly learn, who are reevaluating, who are learning and unlearning, just like you and I are doing, um, and who are, who are really focused on doing that work and definitely grateful for those folks. And there are also a lot of people who've kind of slipped back into, um, into comfort. So I think that becomes, um, you know, a little bit of a sore spot for me and, you know, seeing all the ways in which that bears out in some of the coaching communities that I've been a part of. Um, There was additionally an experience that I had with um, an email that I received. I was on an email list for a a coach, you know, really well-known, tons of, tons of influence. um, And it was about a podcast. It was about an episode of their podcast um, where they were going to be speaking with someone who wanted to give, um, kind of give information about how to become the most like fully realized. I think it was something along the lines of like, the most like fully realized, like sexually liberated woman, like how, Mm -hmm. how you could be that, how you could repair your relationships with men and stop Mm -hmm. hating men. Um, so that you could be your, your, um, you know, most, most fullest, like sexual, sexually liberated and realized self. And the, the email, I, I don't know if I still have it, but I actually ended up replying to the email because I'm already cringing. I'm already cringing. (laughs) I can see it in your body like, oh, like, oh. no. it, it, uh-huh. it was definitely it, it, it was cringe. <laughs> it was so bad. And I I you like I see a lot of those, you know, it, I yeah. see a lot of stuff like yeah. that. And you as a as a marginalized person, we have to be very careful about being good stewards of our energy and deciding, okay, yeah. where put energy today. Cause it's like it's limited. Yeah. I don't know if I want to get my my feathers ruffled about this especially knowing that I may not receive a response that's kind or welcoming or that I may mm-hmm. be as you, I think so eloquently put in um, your posts yesterday might be classified mm-hmm. as, Oh, you're just low vibe or you're whatever, yeah. you know, whatever these, you know, buzzwords Playing are that the victim. Yeah. The yeah. Victim, victim mentality, <laughs> victim mentality. For your own limitations, you know, yes. all that kind of stuff. Um, so it, it, you know, it, I think for me, it takes a lot for me to, respond to things like that um, because I know that my energy is precious and I know that my yes. expertise is is precious and I, I want to be able to protect my own peace. Um, yeah. But this one, I just really could not let fly because it was pretty egregious. And um, so what I did was I actually ended up writing a response and I said, hey, just so you know, like I am a member of your audience, like I am a queer person the idea that to be like a sexually fulfilled woman, that that automatically includes like heterosexuality or like Mm -hmm. cis heteronormativity is a problem. And I was just kind of explaining that when you frame, you know, um, sexual liberation for women as in, in, from a like cis, like hetero lens, it, 
it excludes queer folks, trans folks, non-binary folks, and for people who are already marginalized, who exist kind of already on the, the outside of what is considered to be like normal or socially acceptable, like you do further damage by further ingraining that narrative that queer yeah. folks don't deserve like sexual liberation. Queer folks don't deserve to be a part of this um, idea of what it is to be um, to be to be satisfied, to be actualized in in our our, our pleasure practice and whatever it is. Um, and so I, I, I went into, you know, pretty in-depth explanation because I didn't, of course, want it to come off as like purely, you know, judgmental or purely critical, but I wanted to like create a space of learning where it's like, Hey, I know you probably didn't realize this or didn't know this, but like, this is, this is what you're, this is what it's giving. <laughs> this is what your post is giving. Um, and so I said for, and I even gave some advice, you know, for future reference, if you're going to have people like this on your show, it might be worth it to say, hey, like these are, this is not to, to just flat out acknowledge, like this is not a queer inclusive perspective. Um, mm -hmm. Or, which would be my preferred thing is to reflect on why you want people who don't have inclusive perspectives on your show to begin with in the first place. Yeah. Um, so that was something I wrote. And what the message I got back was just kind of very much, you know, Hey, thanks for bringing this to our attention. We'll, you know, we'll make sure that the person um, whose, you know, business it is and whose podcast it is knows that this is the case. And also um, we, you know, really strive to be welcoming to all people. Um, and that was, that was kind of it. And yeah. I, Again, I, I left kind of feeling a little unsatisfied, um, not only because of, you know, what felt like, you know, hurt and harm that I as a queer person was ex actively grappling with as I was kind of like reading this, um, this email and then subsequently responding with with what I had to say, but just kind of the it, it felt very much like we strive to welcome all people. So we are not responsible for the ways in which, you know, maybe some of our stuff comes off as unwelcoming. Yeah. Um, I think that that becomes an issue as well. Like it's, it's not just about, and you and I have, have spoken about this before, but it's not just about what you do. It's not about welcoming people. It's about like yes. creating space for people. And those are two very different things. Um, very different you know, things. I can, if I build a house that's got a door that's, you know, six feet tall and I tell people who are, you know, seven feet and above, you're welcome in my home, but they can't get through the door. Like that's yes. not, I haven't done anything to actually create the space for them to be able to, to come in and, and, and occupy the space with me. I'm, to, I'm asking them to literally to, to crouch down, to make themselves smaller so that they can fit through the door that I've built. Um, which is not inclusion. So we have to definitely, I think, as an industry, work on that. Oh, such a good analogy with the door and the crouching down and making yourself small, because that is what happens when yeah. <laughs> folks with marginalized identities join these groups that aren't built actually to support us, even though they might have a sign saying, of course, all are welcome. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, yeah, everyone might be welcome, but is your space actually supportive? And if not, then that's why you're only seeing mostly one type of person join your group. Or right. if, you know, folks of um, various intersecting identities, especially join the groups, then that's why they're leaving and they're experiencing harm and they're speaking right. out. Um, and I think what that what that coach or podcast host did by, was also kind of like passing off the responsibility, like, oh, mm -hmm. we'll make sure this guest knows your thoughts on this, but mm -hmm. I'm not actually going to 
reflect and take responsibility and make any changes to the show or like it's just kind of like oh well I can't help it that's the that's their business kind of thing right that's that's so true and I haven't even like fully thought about that but you're right it's like yeah it's another yeah passing the baton um and to your point I think uh, and and your um what you're expressing around like 2020 and a lot of people seeming seeming to be on board like giving this glimmer of hope um to black americans and canadians too we were all Mm -hmm. on board here in canada and then to have no follow-through or no staying power which I have a theory on that. I think like people slammed themselves into this work in a panic. People Mm -hmm. who have never had to confront such issues have never had any sort of exposure to this work or facing the realities that, um, you know, black folks, indigenous folks, but especially um, obviously the black lives matter movement focusing around black lives have never had to face and they sort of slammed themselves into this learning and dysregulated yeah. their nervous systems and was panicking about it. And like, that's not sustainable. Right. So that's what I'm always talking to my clients about is like, I want you to, um, I want you to be in this for the long game. You know, I don't want yeah. you to just take this course and then go on your merry way and go back to things. So if you need to take a break, take a break. If you need to implement one tiny baby step this week, or this month and that's it do that because yeah. I'd rather you take years and years to fully build up you know a, a business and a practice that is reflective of your values and reflective of the unlearning and learning you're doing and actually supportive and actually inclusive by building it brick by brick then you like trying to slam yourself and do all these changes and do all this work really quickly like I feel like that's why none of it lasts I mean not none of it but yeah. much of it didn't last um I think you're so right yeah and thank you for sharing your like how that affects you um because I think people don't realize that performative allyship um which is what it is when you you know you read one book or you did one black square and then you stopped Mm -hmm. um like how hurtful that is because it's like you know thinking you can trust someone and then being stabbed in the back is what it feels like and I think a lot of people don't think about that yeah I I could not have explained that better that I think that's exactly what it is it's like you think you have you know an ally a friend you know someone who who sees you someone who's like you know what yeah this is this you know this can't stand and I'm on board with you and then they just kind of abandon you that that is extremely hurtful and I think in abandoning you also abandoning themselves because there are a lot of ways that um, folks don't even see that like this impacts you as well. Like I, I might be drowning, but you are, you know, you are also being you, impacted um, in this when we live in a world that is unjust and, you know, inequitable and where there are so many systems of oppression and where, you know, people aren't free like that also impacts you. So being mm-hmm. able to see yourself in the work. And I think that's another place where yeah. where folks probably have faltered. I think in addition to what you mentioned, which I think you described so beautifully, um, is the way that you encourage people to work in your um, in your business um, to be able to actually like get this work ingrained and, and make it natural and second nature and regulate their nervous systems around these uncomfortable things so that they can build brick by brick as opposed to, um, you know, having to 
really, like you said, slam themselves into the work um, head first without any sort of like anchor. Um, But I I often wonder too, if it's, you know, it it was from a place of if if there was some solidarity that was really lacking. And one of the things that I do with the Rubik firm is when we're working with clients around um, philanthropy and giving, it's like, we really try to level set around the idea that like, this is not like charity is you thinking that like, you know, I have this thing, I have this power and I'm bestowing it on you in the form of, Mm -hmm. you know, capital in the form of gifts. Um, And, you know, I am helping you person who is underprivileged because of my, you know, graciousness as a, as a philanthropist. And it's like, that's not, what this is and that viewpoint isn't, um, isn't helpful. And I think mm-hmm. further, um, ingrains just the, the inequity and the, the attractiveness and the separation, yeah. but being able to say like, I, like I am an ally in this work with you and I am, you know, contributing financially because I not only see how this impacts other people, but I see the ways in which this impacts me. Um, and yes. like, I stand with you in it versus I am, you know, an outsider and I'm spectating of that there is this, this social ill that's happening. And so I'm, you know, giving of my resources to be able to help you correct that. And then it also doesn't allow you to implicate yourself in any of it yes. when you're, you know, come from that, that mind frame. So there's like so much shifting that needs to be done. But I think if, you know, exploring allyship through the lens of solidarity that it's not just like you know I'm helping out black folks because you know I'm such a good person and I feel bad yeah. or I'm, yeah. you know wanting to be an ally to the to indigenous communities because I feel bad but it's like no like these communities that are experiencing a- oppression like that actually impacts me and I I I can see myself in in the in this in this, this kind of like rectifying or this, um, this, this justice that I'm trying to contribute to, I can see how that also impacts me. Yeah. Yeah. I read this quote about allyship that was like, why would I, I think it was Sonia Renee Teller, um, but I'll have to Mm -hmm. double check. It was like, why, why would you help me solve a problem you created? Yeah. Like, it was like, that's <laughs> not how it works. Yeah. If anything, we're being your allies by helping to try to solve and deconstruct and um, dismantle the problem that white colonialism created. Like it's not yeah. a black indigenous brown problem. It's a, it's a white settler yeah. problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of people even have to just make that massive um, mindset shift absolutely yeah and you're so right about it taking time and that's why I say like building trust um with people of the global majority and of marginalized identities it takes time mm-hmm. um and that is why because we've seen so much perf- performative allyship and just been burned so much that's why it's gonna take more than one scholarship or more than one you know statement somewhere one time like it's like Absolutely. I don't know. We need to see consistent actions, consistent learning, unlearning, consistent yeah. words um, to let us know that your environments are actually safe and supportive. For sure. Um, and I've yeah. even heard um, some like folks, the global majority who often say like, do not identify yourself as an ally. Let someone yeah. of the majority or someone who is marginalized 
um, like identify you as such. Cause that's another thing I get very skeptical yeah. about. Like when people tell me they're allies, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's like, yes. Yeah. I bet you not. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. It's so true. And that word has been, I know a lot of people don't even like the word ally. Mm -hmm. I like to say like aspiring allies. Um, yes. And I have like two friends who like, I will call them allies, um, but they don't call mm -hmm. themselves allies. Um, but that's that so true. It's such a good point too. Um, so I'm so, I'm so excited about all the work that you're doing and I want you to, um, tell everyone all about your, um, the call in it, get called in experience and the ways they can work with you. But I'm also wondering, so for our decolonized coach community, you're going to be yes. coming in, which I'm so excited about. I'm so um, excited. I cannot wait. <laughs> um, so freaking, oh, I love it. Um, our students are pumped too. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about like what types of things we might learn from you in your workshop for the DCC. And then also talk about the other ways people can work with you. Absolutely. So I, I'm really excited for the DCC. Like I, I don't know that I will have been around so many people who are like coaching adjacent or coaching affiliate who are like willing to engage in this work and like for us to all be in the same space and creating community with one another and, you know, yeah asking each other questions and sharing experiences like that. I'm so pumped for you. You have no They're idea. Amazing. Thank you yeah. for You're creating love this them. space. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I am very much looking forward to that. Um, so I am going to be focusing um, on like queer identity. Um, I'm going to be nice. focusing a lot on gender identity. Um, it, and it's, it's such a, again, such a divine connection. I feel like between the, the two of us, because there's so much um, harmful toxic rhetoric that's going on um, right now, especially like in the political sphere about, yeah. um, about, you know, sexuality, sexual identity, gender identity, um, even, you know, binaries around gender and sex and, and what, and um, kind of using those misinformation as a way to, um, as a way to, you know, leverage hate and other things against um, LGBTQIA2S plus community. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm going to be doing a lot of talking about um, just kind of like debunking and demystifying some of the things um, that I often see people ask about or nice. or kind of responding to some of the, the ideas, um, the misinformed ideas that have been floating around just so that hopefully we give the, the DCC community just a really good baseline of information um, yes. to have as they go out and, and do their practice. We're also going to be doing a, uh, some talking about, um, we're doing a lot of like free exchange as well. So in addition to the presentation, I'll have opportunities for folks to ask questions. Um, I'm going to bring in just like a couple of case studies, even things that I've seen mm. um, in the, in the space so that we can just like talk about them. And one of the ways that I, one of the things that I hope people walk away with is not only just a better understanding of you know, what it is to be someone who's a part of the LGBTQIA2S plus community, but hopefully they, sometimes what I'll call it is I want, I want your spider senses to be able to tingle. So I want you to be able to have had enough information and engagement and um, been able to really ask the questions that you want to ask such that when you see these things kind of like out in the world, or you see things that don't jive with like what you've been able to learn, um, that your spider senses tingle and you say, hmm, I don't, I don't, I might not know exactly what's not right about this, but something's like not quite right here. Mm -hmm. Like you might not be able to name it as like cis heteronormativity, yeah. but you know that like something's not quite right over here. So yes. I think being able to 
equip folks with that sort of sense of intuition about where these sorts of um, these sorts of things show up, these sorts of ideas that are like anti-queer, um, mm-hmm. you know, anti-trans, anti-LGBTQIA overall, um, that they that they'll be able to have some sort of intuition about it so that it becomes a lot easier to address those things. And um, as well, we'll be walking away with some some practices, um, some some, you know, some macro, some macro things and some micro things that can be done to be more inclusive of um, folks of varying queer identities in in their communities because we are we are here um, and there are a lot of us and I feel like we often um, sometimes I I feel there's like still a few groups that I'm a part of and sometimes I want to be like are there any other queer people here or is it just me like but I know that there you know are are people of varying um, sexual identities and gender identities who exist in in the coaching world as um, as I think both coaches as well as um, as people who are in various coaching audiences. So I'm excited for there to be a group of people who are really doing the work to better understand um, what queer identities are and then being able to actually create those changes that can serve as an example to other people about how to be inclusive when it comes to queer people. So that is what we will be doing. Yes. So I'm so excited. I love that. And I love that as a takeaway, like their spider senses will be, (laughs) spidey senses will be stronger. I've definitely had that feeling for like a long time. And certainly I'm still on a, a, I have a big learning curve. I know that like as a cis hetero woman, I still have so far to go when it comes to unlearning and learning, which is why um, I work in collaboration and in community and bring in experts who know more about topics that I don't that I can't speak to um but yeah I've had many you know the sisterhood circles and many of coaches who are selling like literally one of them was selling um like have it all sex money men have your way with money and men and I was just like why is that what in the patriarchy (laughs) is this it was so so disgusting and I didn't even have all the language yet and all the tools to like say oh that's like cis heteronormativity or yes whatever that word is but I was like oh no that's very red flaggy um I love that (laughs) excited to continue (laughs) developing the language and the tools and know how to um really create spaces that are better and I certainly like um yeah I'm on a learning journey I've um absolutely as am I yeah yeah as as are we all as are we all (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just wanted to acknowledge that too because I feel like people can get very overwhelmed like (gasps) I can't make any mistakes and I Mm -hmm. there's so many people that I could exclude or harm like there's so language is such a sensitive thing and Mm -hmm. I just want to share like I have um like I had even in the DCC we have a couple of non-binary folks and I've said things like oh, I just got off a call with a bunch of white, you know, white women. And mm-hmm. and I've been like, oops, shit. I said women instead of folks or coaches yeah, um, or use people's wrong pronouns and things like that. So um, I think it's just important to stay open and acknowledge where you're learning and then yeah, be better absolutely. when you know better. I think that's half um, the battle really is acknowledging where your blind spots are because then that's, that's how you know, okay, this is where I need to do the work. Versus if we're just kind of like, oh no, like everything's okay and it's not, then we we never get to the point where we're able to actually get the tools and resources that we need to be able to help us on our learning and unlearning journey. So I have like so much respect for you for you putting that out there and just kind of 
level setting that, hey, like we're all on this journey as well. Like there's yeah. so many things I'm even like, even as a queer and non-binary person, there's still stuff that I'm learning about, even yeah. as I like, I, you know, I am the person that I'm talking about. I'm still even yeah. learning. So um, I think, yeah, I think yeah. that's really powerful. And also I need what in the patriarchy on a t-shirt. <laughs> I need it on a t-shirt. I don't I know if I like heard that it. somewhere or where <laughs> that came from, but yeah, it's like, what? Yeah. What in uh, the let's get t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> no that that I'm that so is sure fantastic <laughs> um okay, yeah okay so, so we'll i didn't any... going over those tools as well <laughs> okay yeah and sorry not to make i didn't want to make it about me but i just wanted to um share that so that in case anyone's feeling intimidated um it's a process. It's a process. For so sure. how else can um, folks work with you? Tell us about your amazing offers, your company, where they can find you, sure. all that good stuff. Absolutely. So um, I think the best place to find me right now is on threads and on Instagram. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> threads, I'm, I'm so loving fun. Threads. I'm a little bit more unhinged on threads, which seems yes. to be the general consensus. Um yes. So I think being able to follow that as well as Instagram, um, Instagram posts are usually carousel posts, a little bit more put together. There's a little bit more data and things like that. So um, it gives you, I think, a little bit more of an in-depth understanding about some of the things I may be talking about on threads. Um, so those are the two places mm -hmm. where you can find my work. Um, as far as my offers go, I have three really cool ways that we can work together. So the first one I have is um, something called like an it, like what did I call it an ask me anything session or oh, yes no, that's like, so explain cool it to me session explain it to me yeah, yeah. I saw that it's so cool so it's it's just kind of like a, a a um offer where we would hop on to like a, a voxer like quick coaching session and you could ask me any questions that you that you are wondering about or anything that you might be wondering about and it can be in relation to like maybe something you've seen or heard, or it could be something about like the content that I post specifically. Cause I understand that sometimes it's like, you know, I'm very steeped in the work. So when I'm talking about things, yeah. I may be using terms that you might not be familiar with and that's okay. Like, cause we, how do we get familiar and how do we learn? We have to ask. So um, yeah. I wanted to create um, a space for people to just like, just ask. So you, so for, as a part of the package, you can get, um, you know, three or four different questions and I'll do follow-ups and, you know, send you voice notes um, to yes. just help you process through some of what you see um, so that that way you don't have to, um, you know, look at something and think, you know, I, sh I should be understanding this more than I am, but like there's a, you know, there are different things that you may want to want to know more about. So always mm -hmm. happy to hold that space for folks. Um, and it doesn't commit you to any sort of a bigger container either. It's, it's a quick, um, you know, quick interaction where you can get the information that you need to be able to do what it is that you that you need to do. Um, so there's that one. Um, the second one, of course, is the the call in experience, which is kind of like a hybrid between like a retreat and a mastermind. Um, but it's a um, a live experience, um, seven week long um, curriculum that is based in um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice. So a lot of the things that Emily and I have been talking about on the podcast so far, we actually do. Um, modules covering a lot of those things. So um, sexuality, gender identity is a big module. Anti-racism um, is a module. And it's 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 learning the, the concepts and the frameworks in ways that make sense 
um, for the the coaching industry and for like spiritual entrepreneurs and um, understanding nice. the the takeaways that you can actually go and then implement um, into your business. Um, we even do there's even a module on social impact because like of course like nice. that's my my other love. But yeah. you know we we exist in the world, right? So I think sometimes the ways and that we show up. Um, for issues in the world as coaches also impact the way that we're, that we can be seen by our clients or our ways of further aligning our values um, when we're able to to speak about issues that are going on in the world and use our platforms as a means of bringing awareness and standing in solidarity with folks. So um, even going to do like a unit on that just to, to help people understand like, hey, here's how you can leverage your platform even outside of you know, things that are directly related to coaching, but issues that are mm-hmm. just going on in the world. Um, so that is, again, seven weeks. It's like five weeks of core content and then two two calls of bonuses. And um, we're oh. Emily and I are getting together to figure out um, which, which bonus call that she'll be on because I know that um, decolonization yeah. is such an important part of all of this. And um, I want to make sure that like her voice is is prominent in um, in this course and experience. But yes, so that is that is number two. And that's kind of I would say the most comprehensive option. Um, And it comes with additional support, too. So you get the community aspect of it um, and it it really helps us to be able to heal and grow together. So that's that's the one I'm super excited about. And then, of course, like there is the third option is if you have a you know, if you're a, a coach um, and you have a, a large brand that you're growing or you're already um, a global brand and you feel like, wow, I might have, I probably should have done some of this work before, or you feel like I want to kind of reset and make sure that as I'm growing, I'm, you know, being inclusive and that um, some of the things that Emily and I brought up, that those aren't things that are happening in your audience, or you want to make sure that you are um, doing your best to make sure that your space is safe and inclusive. Um, we can also work together one-on-one where I would come in, do some consulting, bring folks in um, who also have their various areas of specialty and just kind of like rally around you and your brand and community to be able to um, create some actionable ways for you to improve that are specific to like your brand. So nice. um, that one you can DM me about. All the other ones are on my um, links on Instagram. So definitely feel free to to hit me up there and I'd be happy to, to work with you. Nice. We'll put the links in the notes too, for the show. Um, and we'll put your Instagram and your threads. Yes. Come hang out with us on threads. Yes. <laughs> it's so fun. Good over time. There. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good time. Yes. Um, amazing. Well, thanks for breaking down all of the incredible ways folks can work with you. They all sound so, so good. And I'm very honored and excited to be part of the call in experience um, and I'm excited for you to be in the DCC. Yay. And I know our community is going to freak out and be so excited too. Um, so we're really looking forward to your workshop, <clears throat> excuse me, your workshop, which is happening on the July 26th. So if anyone yes. is interested in joining the DCC in time to be live with us um, and ask Melinda your questions, if you've been thinking of joining the DCC, now's the time, because this is a massive value add to our program. Um, and so thanks for agreeing to collaborate with me and for reaching out. It's going to be so Absolutely. good. This, <laughs> this conversation was so good. Um, I'm inspired and amped up as always after talking to you. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that means a lot, Emily. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you to your wonderful audience. Um, and I am so, so excited for 
this upcoming collaboration and all the future collaborations to come. I love being able to work in community with other folks of the global majority because I've always said it feels like home. Like it feels like, you know, cousin Emily. So I'm I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Thank you again so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you again so, so much for listening. If you would like to thank me in return, if you got any value, insights, new perspectives, or you just appreciated this episode or enjoyed this episode, the best way to thank a podcaster is to share with others. Spread the love, spread the magic, take a screenshot of the episode, share it on your Instagram or TikTok stories, and tag me at Emily Ann Brandt so I can personally thank you for tuning in and stay connected. This is truly a community that we are building here, and I love staying in connection with you. I look forward to talking to you again soon, and I'm sending you so much love and gratitude.